Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Today is our last day considering the parable Jesus told in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. He told it during the week before he went to the cross. It was a prophecy of the rejection of Israel to himself and also a prophecy of God's response to the rejecting nation. But it is also a story telling us what is in God's heart for us, what his plan is for those who come to him. God wants to bless us. That's the point of the story. Yet though he wants to bless His invitation is turned away, and yet he still calls for any who will answer. We'll start today with a reading of the text, and then advance the tape to the conclusion of our message, and God's invitation to come to the feast. Verses 1 through 14 of Matthew 22, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to all those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was, and the old King James says, wroth. He was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Over and over and over and over again. God is renewing the call even as it's being thrown off, and God is calling even now, right now, in the face of men's rejection. God is consistently calling individuals and speaking to them. And by the way, can I just say this? Because that's the case, we have to consistently call ourselves. There's no point in time in the life of the church and the life of the believer in which we can say, well, you know, I gave somebody an invitation. I'm done here. Until God pours out his judgment, we're to be calling and calling and inviting. That's our mission. That's our call as well. What's the message of the church ultimately when we boil down the gospel message? It's come to the feast. Come into all the blessing that God has for you. All the blessing that God has designed for you. God calls persistently, we're to call persistently as well. Here's another one. God doesn't just call persistently, He calls indiscriminately, and so are we. God basically says, go to the ragtags on the highway and call them in. 
God calls all regardless of their class, regardless of their stature. His church was meant to be a feasting place not for the classes, but for the masses. And he's calling people to himself. I quoted this poem in the past before. I'll quote it to you again. It's a poem that was written by a gentleman named Vakal Lindsay to commemorate the death of General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And he particularly speaks of the effort that Booth made to bring the low lowlifes that were found on the Lower East Side of London to this great feast that God is calling them to. And he describes those who came that Booth was calling to himself in these lines. They were walking lepers following rank on rank, lurching bravos from the ditches dank, vermin-eaten saints with moldy breath, unwashed legions from the ways of death. Come to the feast! Come to the feast! Any and all, God calls and God seeks to bring us all to himself. And God invites us also here with a provision for the feast. It's the last thing we see here. God will have his hall filled. He will take any who will come to the feast. They do not need a resume of greatness. It will do them no good. Their past does not disqualify or nullify the invitation. Even their persistent resistance up to this point in time does not, if they will but come. Only one thing they must do, they must answer the invite, they must come. They must answer the invite, they must come. And he will take them as they are. But now listen, at the entry port into this feast, this God, our God, does what every good king does when throwing a feast. In those days, the king would provide for all his guests gowns that they could dress themselves with, the finest gowns that he could make available to them at his own expense. And he would clothe them as they entered into the feast. And God does the exact same thing. You answer, you come, you come with what you're wearing. What you're wearing, that person outside of Jesus Christ, that person who's never answered this invitation, that person comes with the gowns, the robes of a condemned criminal. They might come preening and all the things they think they've built themselves and not recognize that is filled with the contamination of their own sin. Even those things that they think are expressions of their goodness are covered like filthy rags with their own sin and their own rebellion and their own resistance. You come wearing those gowns and... How wonderful when our Savior came and lived this perfect and sinless life that he took those robes, those robes expressing the judgment we deserve, clothed in our own wretchedness, and he took them and he put them on himself. And he bore them up to Calvary to die for our sins. And if you'll respond to his invitation, what he does is he takes his robes the robe of his prevailing righteousness that conquered our sin at the cross and rose in unending power. And he takes the robe of his absolute righteousness and complete perfection and he clothes us in the finest attire. We can't even imagine it. We can't even imagine it. And it becomes ours. And we enter into the feast. We enter to dying even now and his blessings clothed in all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the question is, will you come? Will you take it? Will you just take that and take what he offers and wear it as you feast at God's table? 
Here's another thing that we read here at the very end that's hard to believe, but it's true, and it also indicates the resistance, the resilient resistance of the heart that has not been turned to God by the Spirit of God. It's incredible here, but even in this moment, there are individuals who come to the feast, but they refuse to put on the king's dress. They want to enter in their own clothing. They want to come in their own merits and by their own effort. They want to claim a place at the table on the grounds of their own dignity. And this is a final insult to the invitation. And it will not pass with God. He will not let you stand before Him claiming anything of yourself or in yourself. And by the way, I'm afraid that this is what portrays itself in our Christian religion still today. God says, come to the feast. And you say, I have, I've come to the feast. And yet you arrive thinking that you got there on the merits of your own intellectual decision, on the merit of your own spiritual sensitivities, because you were good enough and you were lofty enough, unlike others. You came by your own determining, your own good sense, And you also think to some extent, and it creeps in all the time, that you sit at this table and you continue to enjoy God's presence and His delights because of your ability to hang upon your own merits and good conduct. You think that you remain at the table because you're maintaining yourself in a good stead. You've done enough Bible reading for the day. Your prayer has been faithful enough throughout the week. You've thought just the right thoughts. You've made just the right confessions at just the right moment. And you you brush off this coat and present yourself in your own action. And it won't stand. It won't stand. You can't get into this feast unless God calls you. And you can't get into this feast and stay there unless God clothes you. What will you do? You will will. I want this. You will come. You will only take what is offered. Not try. You will take what is offered, and that is it. And when you do that, when you just will, and you come and you take, wonderfully, undeservedly, profoundly, it will come upon you, the recognition that you were chosen by God for this blessing. And you'll bless them all the more. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. How will one know? If that's the case, they'll come. Wanting to be rid of sin. Wanting to be with God above everything else. They'll confess that they have nothing apart from Him. They'll offer up nothing apart from Him. They'll just take what He offers completely, fully, utterly. And then having taken... They'll take more and more and more and more. Only taking. Trusting all the while that God can undertake for them. Lord, we come before you this morning. We want to say that we believe all these things. But now our lives must demonstrate this simple responsiveness of faith. Are we taking? Are we taking? Are we taking and enjoying? Are we trusting? Or is our life some accumulated note-taking on our part of our efforts and our duties and our responses?
Are we putting the scale where we have denied you, but here I didn't, Lord. God, forgive us. Jesus has done it all. All to him we owe. Now our part is only to find our joy only in him and at his table. More than this, Lord. If we know it to be true, choose us to be those messengers that go out as well. Go out and invite others to come to the feast. May we do it, O God, with our hands full of your blessings. May we proclaim this message even as we are digging in to all of your goodness on a daily basis. And Lord, I do pray. I pray for those who I know come under the hearing of this word in other places, driving in their cars, sitting in an office, sitting at a table in their home, uh, sitting in some quiet spot, listening, listening to the radio broadcast as they're walking through their headsets, listening and they know that they have been denying and putting you off and this has been, they realize now by your spirit, this has been defiance and rebellion and it's not a frivolous thing, it's a fierce thing in your mind. Though God, the moment has come now and the invitation has come now and now it is but for them to respond and come and take and be filled by all that you offer. May that be the case. We pray in Jesus. You've been listening to the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message, you can call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.